I had a meeting with several of my pastoral care ministry volunteers, leaders, actually, last Sunday. As we sat in the white garth on a beautiful, sunny afternoon, sharing lunch and conversation, our talk turned to a topic we have mused over many times together, grief, individual grief and collective grief. With these leaders, we have often discussed the sanitization of grief in our culture and in our faith. One of the many things we have inherited, of the many things we've inherited from our Jewish roots, we have failed to bring forward so many of the rituals and traditions around death and grief, around pain and suffering. Our burial rite is incredibly moving and beautiful, and I promise, don't hear me saying I would change a thing about it, because I wouldn't. But so often when folks process out of the church, that's the end of the ritual. Life picks back up, and the bereft are expected to as well. As some of you may know, Jewish custom has a mourner joined by others for communal mourning and prayer for a week, and then prayers for 30 days or up to a year after that, depending upon the relationship with the deceased. There's an unveiling of the tombstone a year after the death, and the deceased's name is prayed for as, few, as many as four times a year in services. Grief is shared across the community, and no one individual is expected to get over it. I can't help but feel like we're missing something. That conversation about grief in our text from Isaiah this morning has had me thinking a lot in the past week about suffering. This passage is the fourth movement in Isaiah about the suffering servant. This is a piece of poetry that should be familiar to many of us as it appears in our Good Friday liturgy, as well as being paired here with Mark in ordinary time. And as Catherine Bush shared with us last week in the Dean's Forum, poetry, perhaps especially poetry in scripture, is open to all kinds of interpretation. The identity of the suffering ser servant is a subject of much scholarly debate. Is it an individual? Is it the entire nation of Israel personified in exile? Is it Jesus or a prototype of him? There are as many opinions as there are learned biblical scholars. I actually love that it's unclear and leaves room for imagination. One person, an entire nation, I don't know. But I know that the common thread is the suffering and that it exists. Suffering is real and it is a part of our human experience. And it is seen by God and can be, as in the case of this poem, redeemed by God. In a tight community, bound
bound by shared faith and common experience, the lines between the individual and the collective can be blurry at best. My pain is your pain, and your suffering is my suffering. So how have we, as Christians, strayed so far from this ideal of community? We heard a little bit of that individualism in the, servants, in the suffering servant poem this morning. And we have been indoctrinated into a puritanical, stiff upper lip brand of faith. Silence has somehow become virtuous. And trust me, when in pain, I take my cues from the psalmists who rail against God, seeking answers and relief. I've never understood how saying that you never heard someone complain through grief or illness or dying has become the highest possible compliment. And my friends, if that is the bar, no one will be complimenting me. <laughs> I plan to complain and rail a lot. If we believe that an individual's silence is virtuous. It is no wonder we cannot share grief in community. It is no wonder that we drop off a casserole, send flowers, or write a note and move on and expect the pain and the grieving to as well. Suffering is mentioned in Scripture well over 300 times throughout both the Old and New Testaments. It is real. It is a place where over and over again, Scripture tells us that God meets us and we can meet each other. And my friends, if not at any other time, how can we not embrace this right now? During a global pandemic, when we are all experiencing the same version of pain, and suffering in different ways, but it is something we are all going through together. Richard and Broderick and I have talked with many of you in these months that we've been back together. We've talked to you at coffee hours, during pastoral visits, and during the conversations we held in the library over the summer. We checked in with each other about our experience of the pandemic and how we are handling regathering in a pandemic that is still far from over. We have heard it said dozens and dozens and dozens of times. We are grieving and we are suffering. Are we trusting each other with that truth? Isaiah's suffering servant may be one individual, but it may also be an entire nation. And by thinking about suffering in a collective way, what might that teach us about God and about each other? I think it builds solidarity. I think it builds community. I know it builds compassion. And it stresses interdependence. And it strengthens communal identity. My friends, this is something we should be practicing here with each other. 
as we are coming home, this theme of our stewardship season, as we are literally re-entering the nave after first an exile from this campus brought on by a global pandemic, and then exile from the cathedral nave brought on by a fabulous renovation, we have the opportunity to share our experience as a community. We have experienced grief and suffered in a variety of ways over the past 19 months, large and small, individually and communally. All are real and all are valid. We can lean on each other, not just in sharing the joys, but also in sharing our sorrows. As we come home, let's think about and talk about ways in which we can grow our compassion as a community and grow our connection to God and each other. How we can honor and normalize griefs, sorrows, and suffering of our lives and be present to each other as followers of Jesus, showing the very compassion that has been shown to us in Christ. We live in a day of social media curated perfection and lauded stiff upper lip silence. So this is a challenge, and it's a challenge to us as a community of faith. And it might be messy, and it might feel vulnerable, but I believe that God delights when we show up this way, when we show up authentically to God and to each other.